1: Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church.
2: The last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead in Christ will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written death is swallowed up in victory. This is the good news for us. I can
0: see the promised land. Though there's pain within the plan, there is victory in the end. Your love is my battle cry. The answer for all my life. Every giant will fall, the mountains will Chain of the past, you've broken into all the fear of the lies. We're singing the truth that nothing is impossible with you.
2: Oh,
0: is impossible.
1: Christ is coming back, and are you ready for his return? And perhaps more importantly, are you being about your father's business while you wait? Christ has left us here as instruments in his hands in a world that's perishing to point others to him. Well, hello and welcome to Grace to Live with Pastor Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so happy that you've joined us today for the program. As Pastor Keith continues with our teaching series that he is entitled The Blueprint. As always, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's broadcast, we'll be hearing Part 8 of the Blueprint series. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us to the book of 1 Thessalonians, Chapter 4. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study.
2: Father, we thank you that we can be here today. We thank you, Lord, for all that... um, you are doing in our lives. We thank you, Father, for everything, Lord, from us maturing in Christ to the birth of children, Lord, to, Lord, us maturing and going home, Father. Lord, help us to be united around your Word so that we can be united in ministry as we think about this blueprint that we've been studying, our statement of faith and its biblical foundation. Help us to do your ministry your way for your glory, for the good of others, and our own growth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This series comes to an end. If this is your first time with us, it won't make as much sense because you're here at the tail end of a series. We call the series Blueprint because every building, every structure, even every ministry, every church, every denomination, has a blueprint. It loosely defines or generally defines what they're about, how they're structured, what they're supposed to look like, and we've been going through this blueprint of our own church's statement of faith and the scriptures that undergird it that serve as the cornerstone for it. Now each of the 10 tenets or so of the faith that we've studied, you could do a whole series on, but I'm just trying to sort of skip a stone across the surface there so that you can understand what we're about or what we should be about or what you should be about if you're part of us. And so today, today's message is called urgent. You could subtitle it what's the hurry? And uh, it's part of our blueprint about the return of Christ and all the implications of that for the people who are Christ followers and the people who aren't. And urgency is what we need to have when it comes to fulfilling the ministry that God has given each and every Christ follower in this room. To open up the, our, think, our thought process about this, I'd like to read something to you from a book uh, that I read by a gentleman named Richard Mayhew. It's called Unmasking Satan. And it just talks about how Satan messes with the church. Uh, And I'm sure he'll mess with us as we serve him in the days and weeks to come, years to come. But let me just read this to you. It says this, I am more powerful than the combined armies of the world. I have destroyed more men than all the wars of all the nations. I massacre thousands of people every year I am more deadly than bullets, I have wrecked more homes than tornadoes and hurricanes. In the United States alone, I steal over half a billion of dollars a year. I spare no one. I find victims among the rich and the poor alike. The young and the old, the strong and the weak. Widows know me to their everlasting sorrow. I loom in such proportions that I cast my shadow over every field of endeavor. I lurk in unseen places and do most of my work silently. You are warned against me, yet you heed me not. I am relentless, merciless, and cruel. I am everywhere, in the home, on the streets, in the factories, at the railroad crossings, on the land and the sea, and, on the, and, on the, and in the air. I bring sickness, degradation, and death, yet few, few of you seek to destroy me. I crush, I maim, I give you nothing, and I may rob you of everything you have. I am your worst enemy. I am complacency. And what I want to talk to you today is just the opposite of complacency. That is urgency, urgency, being urgent about our ministry. And how does this tie into our statement of faith? You'll see this in just a few moments. But today what we're going to do is in this blueprint series is tackle two topics at the same time in one session. The return of Christ and the implications for people's eternal destiny in light of that return. And both matters require our urgency in life and ministry. Each of these matters should create in you and I in all of us, a sense of urgency for the lost, for the church, and for ministry. The death of the church, this church or any other church, will be from a lack of a sense of urgency, from complacency. The failure of the Great Commission, if it could have failed, if it could fail and it can't, would be a Christian's lack of urgency. With a lack of commitment, living out our faith becomes optional, extracurricular even, we tell ourselves that we can tell people about Jesus tomorrow. We tell ourselves that someday we'll get serious about our faith. Right now, we just need to get our children educated and settled. We'll be committed someday. Someday, we'll get them committed to Christ too. The problem is, if you look at your phone or your calendar or your tablet, you see Monday through Sunday, but there's never some day. Someday. Someday never comes. Someday I'll lose weight. Someday I'll quit smoking. You know, let today be that day. We want to take it easy because we're told, what's the hurry? There'll be other days. Slow down. Catch your breath. Why the urgency? Well, today as we consider what our statement of faith, our blueprint says about Christ's return and the final judgment, let's understand why we need to share the gospel in a hurry why we need to do so with urgency so let me read to you from our blueprint on Christ's return from our statement of faith and which is a statement of faith of the evangelical free church in america as well our denomination we believe in the personal bodily and premillennial return of our lord jesus christ the coming of christ at a time known only to god demands constant expectancy as our blessed hope It motivates the believer to godly living, sacrificial service, and energetic mission. Going on to response and eternal destiny, we read this. We believe that God commands everyone everywhere to believe the gospel by turning to him in repentance and receiving the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe that God will raise the dead bodily and judge the world, assigning the unbeliever to condemnation and eternal conscious punishment and the believer to eternal blessedness and joy with the lord in the new heaven and the new earth to the praise of his glorious grace amen today i want to talk to you about four reasons for our urgency as individual christians and as a church family as a as a church as a particular visible church in the san jose area so that you can cultivate develop maintain and sustain a sense of urgency Four reasons, and the first reason is simply this. Christ is returning, and we don't know when. We believe in the personal, bodily, premillennial return of Christ. He's returning, and we don't know when. Somebody asked Martin Luther once, if you knew that Jesus was going to return tomorrow, what would you do differently today? And Martin Luther, as a man after my own heart, said nothing. Nothing. I live each day as if Christ is going to return, and as long as I stick to that, I 'll be fine. Christ will return. Where do we see indications that Christ will return? Well, Jesus said he was coming, but in particular, we see that in First Thessalonians 4:16 through18. First Thessalonians 4:16 through 18. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command and with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them into the clouds to meet our Lord in the air, and so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. The good news is is that Christ is returning. Our Savior will return. He will set all things right. We don't know when, and we'll talk later about our motivation for urgency, because of that, when he returns, he'll collect us and we'll always be with him, and we should and could and, and can find encouragement in those words. Christ's return will be for those who died but first, and then we'll be re- they'll be reunited with their bodies. Our bodies, if we're still alive, will be transformed into imperishable resurrection bodies. We shall be transformed in that sequence, and we who remain will be changed after the resurrection of the saints never again experiencing or knowing death, sin, or sadness. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-one to 54, and I'm just going to kind of read through parts of that. Behold, I tell you a mystery, something hitherto undescribed. We shall not sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead in Christ will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. This is the good news for us, that there's going to come a time when we're going to be reunited with our physical bodies. they will be made into resurrection bodies so we won't you won't look like me you'll be imperishable it'll be perfected bodies death is conquered but what we see here is it happens suddenly in a moment in the twinkling of an eye that's the good news the bad news is is that we don't know when and that there are people who are going to die without Christ if we do not engage in our ministry with urgency. Paul writes elsewhere in 1 Thessalonians 5 2, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. In other words, unexpectedly, people will be caught off guard and Christ only comes once as a Savior. He comes the second time as a judge. And this is the bad news for those who don't know God. That's why you have the thesis statement in Revelation chapter 1, verse 3. This is the thesis statement, the purpose statement for the whole of Revelation. And it says this, Revelation 1, verse 3, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. We need to have a sense of urgency in evangelism, in discipling our children, in living out our faith because Christ is returning and we don't know when. And with each passing day, there's one day less to tell people about Christ. There's one day less to embrace Christ. And we want people to come to Christ. That's why we're in a hurry. That's why we should have urgency in ministry Because it could be tomorrow, it could be next week, or it could be 50 years from now. We don't know. But that understanding that Christ is going to return and we don't know when brings us to our second reason for our urgency. The second reason that we're in a hurry about our ministry. And when I say in a hurry, I don't mean sloppy. I mean intentional, focused, on track, moving forward. And the second reason for this is that Christ's return is to be our motivation for ministry. His return date is unknown. You see this in our statement of faith the coming of Christ at a time only known to God motivates the believer to godly living and energetic ministry. There's the urgency. We need to be on guard against complacency. Who says so? Jesus Christ in Mark chapter 13 verses 32 to 37. Let me read this to you. But concerning the day or that hour, no one knows. And he's talking about the return of Christ the, when he's going to come into his kingdom on earth. Not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. And listen to what he says in verse 33. Be on guard. Keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and he puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. And what I say to you is that what I say to you all, stay awake. Christ is gone. He's left us in charge of the church. And he says, go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to do all that I've commanded you. And he's going to come back. We don't know when, but we want to be found faithful at his return. We want to be telling people about Jesus. We want to be calling them to Christ. We want to be pointing them in the direction of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to do so with inner energy. We need to do so sacrificially. We need to do so not just with our lips, but our lives. The way we live, godly living, it says in our statement of faith. We need to be on guard against a lack of urgency. This is what Jesus taught. We need to be alert on the lookout for every divine appointment that God sets in front of us. Careful not to ignore his call. We must remain motivated to serve. We don't want to be caught napping. He says, stay awake, stay on guard. Our Savior calls us to action. Let's act. He calls us to urgency. Let's be urgent. We don't want to be found asleep at the switch. As his inevitable return draws closer and closer each day, we understand that he's going to return. The coming of Christ at a time known only to God demands constant expectancy and our blessed hope motivates the believer to godly, loving, sacrificial service and energetic mission. So what do we do with that? What do we do? we want to be awake are we awake well only you know only you know if your antenna are up only you know if you're ready willing and able to serve him whenever and wherever and however he calls you to his service so you might want to ask yourself the question can my service be called sacrificial and energetic am I ready to get into the game is my guard up or my antenna out am I asleep or awake when it comes to the things of God We want to, as a church family, go to the next level of ministry. We're going to invite 15,000 families here. If one half of 1% come, that's 75 families. Maybe that's a few hundred people, and maybe only a fraction stay. The 10 people that you're praying for, who knows how many will come. But if they come, will you be ready? Will we be ready? We want to extend our ministry beyond the four walls, of the, or four walls, it's an octagon, but you get my drift, <laughs> you know, of this church, the many walls of this church. So let's let Christ's return be our motivation to take our ministry in San Jose and beyond to the next level. So reason number one, Christ is returning and we don't know when. Reason number two, that, that return should be our motivation. We want to be found faithful when the Savior returns. We want to be urgent. We want to be ready. And reason number three, why should we be urgent? Why should we be in a hurry to really get into the game? We want to see people repent and receive Christ. Isn't that what we're all about? We believe that God commands everyone everywhere to believe the gospel by turning to him in repentance and receiving the Lord Jesus Christ. The time is near. You know, people don't like to talk about repentance. I don't know what it is about our culture. I do know what it is. It's a fallen world. Even in the church, people say, well, you don't really have to repent to believe. Yes, you do. No repentance, no salvation. I'm not talking about works. I'm talking about a change of mind that brings about a change in life. When you're turning to Christ, you're turning away from something. I remember when I was in seminary, it was popular in some seminaries, not ours, to say, well, you know, you just believe in Christ. The Repentance is a work of man. Actually, repentance is a work of the Holy Spirit. And repentance is essential to salvation. How do we know? Because Jesus said so. Where does he say so? He says so in Mark 1, 14 through 15. Couldn't be more plain than this. Now, after John was arrested... Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. And the gospel of God is the time is fulfilled. The kingdom is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Turn away from your old life and turn to Christ and embrace him. Put your faith in Christ. You're turning away and turning to. That's repentance. Now, there are two types of repentance. One is repentance to salvation, the turning away and turning to God. The other is a daily repentance where God, the Holy Spirit, through his word and through other believers, identifies in our lives things that need to change, and we turn away from them. That's not salvation. That's what we call spiritual growth or sanctification. But there is that repentance that happens once and once only, where you turn away from being your own God and turn to Jesus as your God. And that's what Jesus himself teaches this is the message of Jesus. This is the message of the apostles. You see it in Acts. You see it in the epistles. You can't miss it. And yet some refuse to come to Christ, to turn to him from sin for repentance, for rescue, for forgiveness, for restoration, for hope, and for healing. In John five twenty-five, uh, five twenty-four through 25 and 39 through 40, We have this account where Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders, and he says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from life, from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is here now when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. Now watch what he says to them. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. But it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. There are people who don't want to come to Christ because he demands their surrender. That surrender is the fruit of repentance. It is the fruit of the Spirit working within them to open their eyes to their sins so they can turn away and turn to. And these legalistic, pharisaical leaders here will not do it. And I'm telling you this because of this. Your job is to present the information. The gospel is information. Salvation comes through their response to that information. You're going to share your faith with people in the days and the weeks and the months to come. We're going to share the gospel at Easter. We're going to give the good news, the good information. And there are going to be people who are not going to repent and place their faith in Christ.
1: Also, I'd like to remind you that Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside always look forward to hearing from you. So, if you'd like to drop us a note, you can email us here at keithhillside.org at and also at jonohillside.org. At That's J O N O at hillside.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time for Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves.